bunch of cursing already. So, uh, well, let's let's uh, let's continue. Hey there, this is an omnibus bonus episode to complement our regular weekly episodes of Marvel by the Month. We are going to cover all of the September 1969 issues on Marvel Unlimited that we didn't cover in our main episode with Elliot Kalin last week. Uh, hey, my name is Brian Stratton. Mine is Rob Milne, and I'm Jamie Wenger. Uh, so, fellas, as usual, uh, the September 69 issues of Captain Savage and Sergeant Fury, not on Marvel Unlimited. Um, that leaves us with seven issues to cover uh, this month. Um, so let's get rolling. So uh, I wanted to start this off uh, by talking about uh, this month's issue of Avengers, which I think should be issue number 70. But do you know what's really weird? What? What's really weird? Uh, the last issue of Avengers that we covered was number 68. I can't find any record of issue 69 or 70 anywhere on the internet. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. It's not on Marvel Unlimited. It's missing from my epic collections. So I guess we're not covering this one today. I don't know if it was just like some weird like production error, um, but uh, I will, I'll try to figure out what's going on. I'll fill everyone in next time. Um, but yeah, no Avengers uh, this episode. Uh, so Rob, why don't you uh, take us in, in, uh, into the comings and goings of marvel's other great super team i will now you guys are gonna love this one this is fantastic <laughs> four number 93 at the mercy of torgo i love it already uh, yeah i'm in this this is stanley jack kirby with frank giacoya doing the finishes um yeah no joe Sinnott. joe Sinnott. uh at this point i'm interrupting already uh he he was burnt out basically uh he told stan i need to take a few months off uh, and so, yeah, we are in the middle of a, a little senateless run. Don't worry. He comes back in, uh, before, uh, Kirby finally departs, but yeah, going to have a, a, a few, uh, issues of fantastic four without Joe Sinnott, which is very unusual, not just for this period of time, but for the next 10 years. Yeah. I feel like though his style is so established that they, they really picked it up and it, you know, we don't miss him a ton. Because yeah. he's he's done such a good job of this. Like, this is how the line width around Johnny's mm-hmm. head is all the time. <laughs> yep. If you do it wrong, you're Vince Coletta. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> we, so this issue starts out with Reed, Crystal, and Johnny in space, where Johnny flies around on fire in a vacuum. Yep, love it. Um, and ignites the radioactive trail of the Scroll Slaver's ship. Um so still on the lovely scroll as 1920s gangsters planet crawl, the thing is waiting for his turn in the arena of death. It's just a death arena. You know, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> it's like a waiting room. You have to, <laughs> there's only one thing you can do there. <laughs> That's what it's for. Um, so before and as they start to fight in the arena, the thing and Torgo discuss trying to break free and overthrow the gangster scrolls, but are reminded of the sonic disruptor that can throw either of their homeworlds out of orbit, killing everyone. Yes. And, and Torgo's a real wet blanket here. I mean, there's, there's no yes. And in Torgo, Mm -hmm. like every time Ben tries to get him excited about something, he's just like, he just Eeyore's him. Uh, yeah, he's like, well, no, that's not going to work. We tried that and they just killed a planet. So poo. Um, but uh oh oh bother (laughs) so the the scroll driving the big gun 
also prove it proves its efficacy by knocking some asteroids into the sun or what the, what the thing calls a sun, but I imagine it's a sun, a mm-hmm. star. Uh, there's some fighting and the rules of death arena are called into question. So Torgo versus thing round one is voided. Uh, basically thing blows up a giant ball that gases him and they, they call foul. So it's, it's funny that they have rules because it's a death arena. Yeah, well, and, and also they were the ones who gave Torgo the gas ball. Yeah, so yeah. they supply the gas ball, and then Torgo uses the gas ball. The thing falls for the gas ball, and then they're like, "You can't use a gas ball. What are you thinking?" I, I don't think there's a better illustration of of just how not in sync Stan and Jack were uh, at this point in their partnership uh, than this whole fight between these two because it's obvious like Kirby's trying to tell one story, and Stan is just. Like he's kind of he's trying to introduce his own thing mm-hmm. into it. Um, but at the same time, like they're just they're missing each other constantly. Um, and yeah, it, it's just I don't know. Uh, it is really funny, though, that in this, you know, gladiatorial battle to the death. Uh, the scrolls are just insisting on random civilized behavior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they start up round two with some weapons that pay a passing resemblance, as mentioned by Tom Brevoort recently, to the weapons Spock and Kirk fight with in the Amok Time episode of Star Trek. So uh, they're they're not exactly the same. They're, this this looks more like a can opener with a brick thing on the other side and not <laughs> an axe. Uh, but but at, the, at the same time, during the fight, you can hear the yeah um so (laughs) back in space the other members of the ff that are allowed to go outside because sue has once again been ordered to stay at home with the kid uh they capture the scroll slaver uh ben has a chance to kill torgo then then so they i just jumped aside they're just this issue just jumps back and forth space to to death arena so um Back in the death arena, Ben has a chance to kill Torgo, but spares his life. And then back in space, uh, Reed, or not quite space. Now we're back on the planet. Sorry, (laughs) I'm going to confuse myself. Reed, Crystal, (laughs) and Johnny have landed uh, and take a hench person of Boss Barker hostage along with the slaver. So now they have (laughs) two different hostages. Uh, They're all dressed up now in period attire and talking about being with Reed Richards's mob. Um, uh, and it looks great. Like all their yeah. costumes and suits look awesome. There's like yep. jaunty hats at jaunty angles and pinstripes. Pinstripes galore. Yeah. 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 And then they, they jump into what I recognized immediately as a 30s era Ford Model A sedan and uh, <laughs> commence to flying through the weird world of crawl. Um, it's a great panel. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they're in this car, but it has the, the anti-grav thing. So they're just flying past like marquees and things that just like look like the twenties and thirties. Yeah. Um, and then back at the fight in the death arena, Torgo now has a chance to kill Ben, but decides he can't. Uh, so he's going to spare Ben as the squirrels get ready to shoot Torgo's home planet <laughs> as punishment with the sonic disruptor crystal from off panel, uh, except a hand destroys it with shockwaves. Somebody has to like say a female from earth has destroyed mm-hmm. it. I was like, why can't <laughs> crystal leg show up and get to do that? Anyone uh, probably again, stands writing a different 
story over this yeah, one. Yeah, and also, how do they know she's from Earth? I mean, they all look like humans at this. Can oh, a, yeah. Can a disguised scroll recognize another disguised scroll? Ooh, there's that gotta is a great be, question. That's, there's got to be something in the canon for that. Um, mm. I mean, not to be racist, but like you assume they smell weird, right? <laughs> like, there's just the only thing that racist. gives them away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, uh, let's not say bad, just different. They just smell I, different. I, I sure. think they smell like turtles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it seems like humans would catch on to this at some point during the rest of, you know, Marvel history. But Oh, yeah. Wolverine's yeah. always sniffing around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so they've got to be able to to mask their scent. So we've we solved that riddle, everyone. <laughs> don't write in. Um <laughs> That's canon now. Don't <laughs> don't look it up. Uh, so after a big group hug with the FF members, uh, Torgo frees the slaves who now have the threat over their homeworlds removed. So it's Spartacus time. They start messing up the gangster scrolls and the FF just instead of like helping, they just use the battle as cover and escape in their <laughs> continuity erroneous scroll ship, right. um, which is a whole thing that we talked about with Tom Brevoort too. Um, uh, Reed has gone into, you know, Reed has said he understands how the scroll ships work because of this scroll ship they have that they're flying in, in this uh, issue and the last issue, but it's not a scroll ship. It's a ship that belonged to Kurgo of planet X. The looks, master of planet X. Yeah. The uh, master. Wow. But I did do some digging. Uh, so, yep. yeah, the original scroll ship was a rocket shaped like a water tower. Yes. Um, but in later continuity, it's revealed that the saucer that that Reed is in now was was Kurgo's, but he bought it from some scrolls. There you so go. So it has scroll technology <laughs> in it. <laughs> Who got the no prize for that one? Yeah, wow. That really <laughs> yeah. tied it all together. I want to say that smacks of uh, either John Byrne or Mark Gruenwald. I yeah, that's say. that's beyond a Roy Thomas kind of retcon. Yeah. yeah. Just trying good. to fix some tiny thing that nobody cares about. But <laughs> we just spent five minutes talking about it. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, that's good. Uh so FF is is back on Earth. Uh they're back on Earth just in time for Incredible Hulk uh number one twenty two. Oh yeah. Uh they must be back for that. Speaking <laughs> yeah. of back on Earth. Ryan, would you like to tell us about something that was back on Earth? <laughs> I'm gonna get. Excellent. I'm gonna nail it one of these days. It's gonna be so good. Uh, yes, I will tell you about a story that takes place entirely on Earth. Uh, it is the Hulk's last fight. Um, spoiler alert: It's not actually his last fight. Um, but uh, yeah, it is Incredible Hulk 122. It's written by Roy Thomas. The art is by Herb Trimpey. Um, this one. Uh, it's Hulk versus thing for what I realized was only the third time. This is before this had been like, oh. you know, a big trope, but um, very early on in the FF, I think after the Hulk's book had been canceled, but there, there was a surprise, a Russian spy involved. Um, <laughs> and then uh, there was like a two or three issue series where uh, the Hulk comes to New York and the Avengers and the fantastic four have to stop him. And they wind up, getting tangled up in each other's teamwork um, mm. and get crabby with each other, but they wind up getting it done. So classic anyway. civil war. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, yeah, Hulk versus thing classic encounter. Uh, and the story begins with uh, the Hulk attacking a train, um, 
which is it's a total reversal from his behavior in Avengers number one. Um, yeah. And I thought like that was I don't intentional or not. I thought it was a really good illustration of just how the character has evolved since then, where, you know, then he's just sort of like this misunderstood monster. Um, and he actually he's accused of destroying the train, but he's he's actually trying to, like, get rid of some dynamite that Loki cast an illusion of on the trestle. Um and they think he's attacking the train and then he actually like, you know, puts his back into it and keeps the train from, you know, going off the rails. Uh, so he actually saves the train. Um, yeah. Like Superman one style, the movie. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, um, yeah. yeah. But it's, this is so weird. Just how dumb Hulk has gotten. Like, remember last Very. issue, he can't, he can't read. It's clear. Yeah. He makes mm. it clear. He cannot read English. Yep. Um, and now he's just getting mad and he got mad at like cans and yeah, and now he's <laughs> yeah. getting mad at, mad at machines cause they make noise or something. He's and just, he, yeah. Yeah. And he hates banner now, which is another new thing. Like yeah. he's aware that there is a banner and he hates banner. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. is great. That's a great story decision. It's a great narrative, like yep. framework to build stories around. Like there's just a lot of ripe potential there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but why did why did Hulk even attack this this train in the first place? He has absolutely no reason to do it, uh, except that he thinks it might contain soldiers, uh, as we know, <laughs> Hulk Smash Army. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't have soldiers. Um, it uh, it has some suits, uh, which actually turns out it, it's a freight train carrying a bunch of random stuff. Um, and uh, when Hulk uh, passes out after his train devastation, Bruce Banner wakes up. Um, sees what has happened is like oh no uh, he picks through uh, the wreckage uh, he grabs a suit uh, which is is handy um, <laughs> and then uh, a plot device blows a newspaper to him <laughs> uh, and, and the headline is that the Fantastic Four have figured out a formula to cure the Hulk I put cure in quotes because it's not they don't want to cure they want to get rid of the Hulk they want to they, they have a formula that will kill the Hulk I mm. mean this is the Hulk does not have a problem here. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. The rest of the world has a problem with Hulk. <laughs> right. uh, so uh, anyway, um, I also I was wondering, like, how do you think Ben Grimm feels about Reed Richards moonlighting on the Hulk formula instead of? Curing yeah, Hulk? I thought of that, too. Yeah, that's a real slap. <laughs> I feel in the like face. that could be a whole John Byrne thing of like that. It's a byproduct like there Reed's working on it. He figures out it. It somehow reacts to gamma poisoning better and uh then it's like sorry thing we're gonna do this uh yeah that that seems like a more appropriate thing than just just read suddenly is like you know i I can work on you know who's stronger hulk so (laughs) i should probably try to de-strong that guy yeah yeah yeah. uh no i'm gonna give you a no prize for that i think that's a, a good solution um, so, uh, so Banner, he, he rides the rails and reads the paper. Um, and, uh, he figures out just from the article alone that Reed has figured out half of the solution to the Hulk. Um, and Banner, uh, because he's genius, figures out the other half, scribbles it down on a piece of paper, uh, t- <laughs> ties it in a pouch around his waist, which is some, <laughs> with a actually very, yeah. this is some like memento level forethought. <laughs> Like if you have a condition that turns you into a giant green rage monster and your clothes wind up getting destroyed constantly and you can't count on ever waking up where you, you you transformed, it's handy to have something tied around your waist that hopefully will 
survive the transformation. Especially if so. you know that your pants always survive. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah. Because the comics code will protect the pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that it was, for ultimate safety, he, the rope should have been like around front with the envelope in back because like he wouldn't have been able to see it. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. then you get like him trying to turn around to see like what's behind him and he <laughs> can't turn his neck far enough and he's like spinning in green like a Like a little dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so I keep, good. I, I also was like, does he do like a weird slip knot so that it will expand but to a certain point? You know, I started overthinking a lot of things in this issue because it had such good points. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, is that train coming down the track of the formerly demolished train? But there was a shot with two tracks <laughs> no. next to each other. So, oh, wow. um, nice. I think they covered that one. I just wish there was a different knot here in this, uh, rope belt. <laughs> That's all. I, I gotta say, like, I, the, the illustrations of the trains are great. Like, I get the feeling Herb Trimpey was, like, a, a train nerd. Uh, either yeah. that or he just had a lot of convenient photo reference. But, um, and I know Trimpey, like, there's some folks who were like, you know, he's, he's not their favorite Marvel artist. Um, and, you know, I, I've definitely seen some Herb Trimpey stuff that I wasn't wild about, uh, especially later on in his career. Um, but, I think he's a he he's like a great Hulk artist. Yeah. He he is just like really inventive with the way he shows Hulk destruction. Um mm-hmm. he really just gets that character. Um and it's a good thing cuz he stays in the book for a super long time. Yeah. And and I think redeems a lot of stories that would have been not super redeemable without some powerful art behind it. Yeah. yeah how totally how agree. he stages things. I I still think he's cartoonish in how yeah. he he draws, but um like it feels like R. Crumb doing Jack Kirby, mm. uh, but yeah. it's uh, so sometimes that that uh, that puts me off a bit. But it's but I'm I'm totally warming up to it because I I'm mm-hmm. starting to get how he stages things, how he's and Hulk destruction. Like when Hulk Smash Army, Hulk Smash Army, yep. no better than Herb Trimpey Hulk Smash Army. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like they're doing some inter- or he's doing some interesting things with the framing. Uh, there. It's happened for a couple issues now. There's been at least a page or two where he does something a little bit special and unique. Yeah. And I think in in this issue, it's the you mentioned the newspaper uh, like plot device, mm-hmm. and like you see that newspaper from the ground, and then it lifts up, and then it's floating in the air, and then he's walking, and like you get every step of it. Yeah. And it 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 tells the story really nicely and like it, interestingly. Yeah. Yeah. It gets almost as much time in this story as Dr. Strange's telegram. Doc, <laughs> um, I don't know. That issues. was like seven issues. Yeah. I'm, I'm smelling the spinoff with this newspaper <laughs> and that telegram. This is good. Mar- Marvel telegrams. team up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. Strange and a telegram. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, back on this train. Uh, so Banner, he has, he's tied his secret formula around his waist um, and then uh, some other hobos on the train uh, try to roll him, uh, but Banner hulks out and tosses these bindle stiffs off the train. I want to have, I want to invent another uh, level of our Patreon just so we can call those folks bindle stiffs. Ooh, love it, um, love it. I think it's a solid, solid name. It's um, like fifty cents a month or something. Um, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, after, uh, tossing him off the train, uh, Hulk immediately passes out again. I think narcolepsy is, uh, a side effect of gamma, uh, at this point uh, <laughs> in the Marvel universe. So let's see, uh, cut to, uh, Banner showing up at the Baxter building, but the only cop who wasn't at the briefing stops him and harasses him. Um, there's this whole, like, 
and it's definitely something that Stan just kind of injected into the story, but you kind of see some, there's like this little subplot about like this guy's wife is at the hospital about to have a baby. And so he goes to the hospital to oh, be with his wife. Yeah. Andrews. yeah. That was very specific. Yeah. And, and then he, uh, and then, so he gets replaced with another security guard, uh, at the Baxter building. Um, who was the only guy who wasn't at the briefing. Um, so he doesn't know like the, the cops were like, just when banner shows up, let him up. Don't give him a hard time. Don't hassle him. Just let him up to, uh, the fantastic four. But this guy did not get the memo. Um, so it's, it's a real, like I got one more day, one last day before retirement kind of <laughs> like, like vibe to the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. This poor bastard. He's, he's going down. Yeah. So he, 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 he starts gets, wrestling with banner a bit. Yeah. So he gets hulked. Uh, yeah, he sure does. And then uh, as the Hulk starts smashing his way up the Baxter building, uh, the thing rides the elevator down to meet him. Uh, and then the, <laughs> the Hulk punches the thing and the elevator that he's riding in through the roof of the Baxter building. <laughs> that <was laughs> so cool. That's, uh, that's one way to deal with the problem. Uh, and then Hulk just continues plowing through the rest of the FF. Um, during uh, the melee, uh, Banner's rope note uh comes off uh sue finds it and she gives it to reed uh, and he stretches off to his lab um and uh ben gets back uh, and he has to hold off the hulk while reed implements banner's solution um, i love that like think fight this guy i know you can't win but just fight him while yeah, i do science just okay keep him yeah. busy you don't have to win you just have to keep him away from me um <laughs> So, you know, it, it, and this is the point, I think this is where it's really fully established. And I think it had been earlier, but uh, there's no question that Hulk is definitely stronger than the thing. Hulk the, is strongest of all. Hulk is strongest of all. Um, and the matter he gets, the stronger he gets, and he's awfully mad. Uh, but the thing is smarter than the Hulk. Um, he tricks the Hulk into leaping over him and out of a window uh, and he, where he plummets all the way to street level. Um, and then, uh, Reed stretches down and zaps him with a device that he just cobbled together and the Hulk is unconscious, but still Hulk. Uh, so now it's time to cure him. That's our cliffhanger for this month. This is my favorite Hulk issue ever. I think I liked the glob. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yeah. I mean, the art is on point. The fantastic four look great. Mm-hmm. Crystal's not doing anything. I will say. No. Yeah, yeah, it's normal Stan agency for. Yeah, El- Roy Thomas yeah. is writing this one though. I mean, oh, but, Roy, but his yeah. his influence is being felt, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, well, talking about uh, issues that are nothing but fight scenes, um, <laughs> Jamie, he does you want to again every single time? <laughs> you you want to uh, huh. tell us what uh, Thor got up to here? Certainly. Uh, we are looking at the Thunder God and the Thermal Man. Thor 170 by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby with Bill Everett. Uh, So a horrified Thor returns to Earth to find New York City evacuated and uh, upon some investigation, finds the Thermal Man, uh, uh, like some beat up Warriors 3 and Baldur the Brave, who's like with the group. Um, Oh, side note. uh, Every time I say Baldur, I need you to understand that I actually typed bladder first. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like my notes are just a constant bladder the brave, uh, which sounds like a spinoff oh, kids book, right? Yeah, that that there is funnier than anything that ever appeared in Not Brandak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you should have 
if they only had Jamie back in time there. Yep. Ooh, ooh I know where this is going. <laughs> Kang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. So anyway, uh, despite the army's best efforts, uh, the thermal man is getting stronger and stronger by the second. So Thor and all the Asgardians attack only just to get the pants beat off them. They just like individually get blasted and are are really hurting. Yeah. Um, then we cut to like the uh, some airplanes. Um, and so what's happened is the the quote birds behind the bamboo curtain have given uh, the U.S. a bomb to drop on itself, uh, which is like. Maybe the most passive-aggressive foreign policy you could ever imagine. Also, um, maybe examine the hell out of that bomb before yeah. you go dropping it <laughs> yeah. on New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the world's coming together to, like, uh, you know, try and take down the Thermal Man, um, which, you know, is nice. Um, the pilots are wondering why, like, we can team up for this, but we can't team up for lasting peace. Uh, kind of a nice sentiment. Uh, but then they drop the bomb anyway. Uh, <laughs> and then, such a, that's, that's such a Stan Lee yeah, thing. Like, um, I mean, it's like... It, it, he just has to get one of those in yeah. uh, every single issue that he writes. Um, I, yeah, it just, it's funny to see like two air force pilots just talking to each other. It's like, yeah. why can't we have more peace and be totally out of a job? Right. Yeah. Right. The, um, why this, do the reds and us always have to be enemies? And then yeah. the other guy's like, I'll write you a letter. There he is. Missile away. Just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so there's just one bleeding heart uh, yeah. in the entire <laughs> right unit. Uh yeah, and the Silver Surfer is like about this same thing kind of like the whole issue is like about that sentence basically. Yep. yep. Um Stan, Stan. Uh, anyway, on the college campuses, he's just got to harp on this thing, yeah. So they drop the bomb uh which kind of like Kirby dots the thermal man unconscious and to the ground. Um so meanwhile Thor turns to Dr. Blake to help a victim from the fight uh well volstag it's, it's like probably <laughs> the best scene in the book um is like bragging about what a great job he did in the fight and just being <laughs> which super, was nothing yeah usual. which is yeah. he basically did nothing and then they're like oh look he's waking up uh, the thermal man's waking up and he's like oof i am bush from all this talking about how great i was i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> like, i i the best thing about volstag is that when he's written right and i think everyone pretty much does this like he always gets the last word. He's always got a response like to preserve his own illusion of himself as this great hero. Like yeah. he's one of the best and funniest characters in the Marvel universe. Yeah. And it's timeless comedy. Like it was funny then it's funny. Now it'll be funny every place that they do it correctly in the middle. Like it's just humor that will always work if it's done correctly. And yeah, when they and, and do he, something different with the character, like war Thor, like, Oh yeah. 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 Like sad and angry Volstag. Uh, it is so cool because mm -hmm. we've had this history of him as this running gag, you know, this, you know, Abbott, uh, whatever. He's like Curly from the Three Stooges. Just he is always comedy. Yes. Yeah. 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 And to mess with that after so long was was shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and genius. I mean, yeah. And, and talking about him as just being this classic comedic character. I mean, he's. He's, I think he's supposed to be based on uh, Falstaff from Henry the Fourth and Henry the Fifth. Like, so I, I mean, like this character is essentially almost five hundred years old at this point. You know, like he's, you know, who's just like this rotund guy who overestimates his ability and like always has an excuse uh, and 
is beloved by everybody. Like he's just this, he's, he's a fool and a knave and everyone loves him. Huh. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, Eddie Izzard, uh, oh, back yeah. in his stand up Zard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, does a bit about how there are very few literary historic characters who are, uh, like downers and ridiculous who you root for the whole time. And he, he mentions among, among the one, the exceptions are Falstaff and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you going to try to Scooby-Doo us every episode now? I am. I do love that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, back to the issue. Um, oh yeah. It's comics. Yeah. Comics, comics. So, uh, all this has been going on, but, uh, Carnella and Loki have been spying on this whole affair through like a, it probably is probably a scrying pool, but it looks kind of like a rock scrying pool, which would be much cooler. Um, and so, uh, Carnella decides to rescue all the Asgardians because she remains like very much in love with Balder the Brave. Uh, but that love is unrequited at this point. Mm-hmm. At this um, point. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if like that was like a misconnection, miscommunication kind of thing, or if he's really not into her. So she's she's hit him with a couple of like love charm whammies. Um, but remember Hag? Uh, oh, yeah. The, the old lady witch. Um, yeah. She said that the reason that it's not working is because Baldur's sense of duty is too strong. Mm-hmm. So uh, Okay. Yeah. Um, so you, the, uh, Carnella taking the Asgardians, rescuing them from the thermal man, like cheeses off Loki who mm-hmm. like pouts away and talks about how he has a long memory and presumably he'll get revenge for this. It didn't seem like that big a deal, but I think he's into Carnella. So, you know, he's, yeah. that's, that's really the deal. It's, it's a love deal and Loki does not love easily. It is true. It is yeah. mightily ye verily true. <laughs> 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 oh also loki in this section looks like amazingly hideous yeah His face like talk about a long face i mean it is like huge it's, well, and- it's close to his original i mean he's a little beefier than his original avengers appearance you know like uh but his face is as long as yeah. the original kirby face yeah 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 the and, good uh bill everett is inking uh this issue also so uh vince coletta is not, um, which I don't have a problem with. Um, <laughs> but it does have like the, the line weight is so much thicker and heavier uh, in this. And uh, the splash page that opens it, which is just like a close up on Thor's uh, like panicked face, it it looks very, very strange. Like yes. Everett inking Kirby, you just don't really ever see that. It it kind of reminded me actually of uh, like Durf back Durf's uh, work. Like mm-hmm. it just seemed very. I don't know, fanographics like it looked like someone like like an indie comics artist doing a parody slash tribute of Kirby. Yeah, I had had that page to talk about because the the shadow on his face is so pronounced that it looks almost like makeup or like substance. Yeah, like death metal makeup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was really interesting. There's a lot of I I didn't even realize that I didn't check the inker, but um yeah, I, I there that puzzled me for quite a while, and then many other spots in here where I was like, "This is what's so weird about this? I don't yeah. get it." And it yeah, was just yeah. a little off. Yeah, no, no, Vinny. <laughs> um, so uh, Donald Blake uh, hears about that the Thermal Man is up to waking up or whatever from from Army Men, um, 
So I guess they beat him. So that bomb knocked him out like very temporarily. Uh, mm-hmm. So then Blake turns back into Thor who like over several pages uh, smites the thermal man with all sorts of crazy Kirby dot storms uh, and like flooding. And like, it seems like he's doing like a man of steel amount of property damage to like flooding <laughs> yeah. New York tsunami city. Tsunami the yeah, yeah. Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. He tsunamis Manhattan. Um <laughs> So then the thermal man, like, I guess, semi-ironically ends up in the water uh, being pulled to the north, to the North Pole, where he's, like, encased of ice. So he's, like, pulling a Captain America, like, mm-hmm. until the end of time. Or until they need him back. Right. Like, like right. Captain America. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, this guy plays his cards right. He could end up an Avenger. <laughs> he's an atomic pile man, but still, don't let anybody in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that that's all that happens in this issue. It's not like a earth shattering issue by any stretch. It's just kind of like workhorsey good. It's like fun to look at. There's a lot of Kirby dots, especially in the latter half. Yeah, um, yeah, big yeah, old fight. drama. Um, but speaking of not a lot of drama. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's trying for the segue again. Oh, Here we man. go. Come on. That was poor. That was so poor. Uh, I don't know. Rob, you want to tell us about Daredevil? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Sorry. Try. I'll get one of these days. I'll I love it. Me. Just trying is endearing. Uh, you got to try. Yeah. Yep. Takes a lot of poop to grow roses. <laughs> uh, so, man, do I have a weird one for you guys? This one <laughs> is uh, called Spin Out on Fifth Avenue. Uh, Daredevil number 58, written by Roy Thomas, art by Gene Colan and Sid Shores. And look out, here comes the biggest character of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> you all know him, you all love him, Stuntmaster. <laughs> uh, it's more like Stuntmaster? Um, so this is the beginning of a lot more motorcycles in the Marvel Universe as we roll into the 70s. Oh, uh, I didn't even think about that. That's brilliant. Yeah. 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 Like, and it, I, I did a little research and, and I'm not going to go into it, but this is this is sort of the latter end of Evil Knievel doing hmm. all this stuff like throughout the 60s. He and other people made quite a sensation as daredevils. Hmm. Um, so, OK, the issue. We start out with Matt Murdock, uh, presumed dead by everyone except Karen Page at the end of last issue, giving a speech to a jury in court. Um, we quickly learn that Foggy has made him a special assistant to the DA. Still don't know what the hell is going on. So the, <laughs> the court case revolves around someone attacking Daredevil. And after a big like courtroom movie speech from Matt Murdock, um, the jury retires and then we start to get caught up on what the F is happening. Um, we cut back to where last issue left off daredevil revealing to Karen at the recent grave of her father in Vermont, uh, that daredevil is one Matt Murdoch and two, he is alive. Uh, so they go through things. One, which is Karen trying to confirm if Matt is indeed blind a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. A like few. waving your hand yeah. in his face. Yeah. And he's like, I can, I know you're waving your hand. I still yeah. am technically blind. I don't know how I can explain this anymore. <laughs> which I love. That's Please exact, stop doing that. Yeah. yeah. That's what you would do if you met, you know, Daredevil and he told you he was a blind guy that you already knew. You'd be like, I don't think you're blind. Um, <laughs> so also Karen gets to realize I, that Mike so, Murdoch was all bull crap. 
but yeah, yeah, the, the, that the the whole um, this whole conversation is insane because <laughs> like, he's he's like, no, the one thing I have been honest with you about <laughs> is the fact that yeah. I'm blind. Yeah, right. He but, literally says that, right? Like, that's yeah, it's like true. I'm not dead. I never had a twin brother. I have been dressing up in a superhero costume and fighting people at night. Uh, but, but no, I'm, I'm blind. So it's like, you can trust me, baby. <laughs> you can trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. If somebody just the whole Mike Murdoch thing, I would just kick him in the nuts and be oh done my God. with it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, the, then Matt continues reminiscing, um, <laughs> about, uh, planting a fake story that the DA helped pretend to kill him to capture Mr. Fear. So this is how he's going to come back to life is that he was never dead and they're going to do a press conference. Um, during the press conference, Foggy says that Matt Murdock has been made special assistant to the DA for the crime wave investigation, uh, <laughs> which was news to Matt, but he accepts it live on camera. Um, is, and, there, and is there a mistake here? Foggy goes, I've got an announcement to make, a surprise announcement to make. Namely, mm-hmm. I've invited Matthew Murdoch to become my special assistant for the blah, blah, blah. Right. And then Matt says, that's right. I've joined the team. And then Foggy says, you have? Is like, what? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, so, so why was he surprised if he was the one giving that news? It just, something it feels weird about that page. Yeah, like basically that's what, yeah, Foggy uh, announced this deal hoping, you know, that that Matt would accept the job. But I don't know why any of that would happen. I don't know <laughs> yeah, why most right. of this issue would happen, but I will still continue. <laughs> I don't know why any of this issue would happen. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot about it. it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so Sorry, weird. I just, I, that's no, yeah, I mean, super weird. I, I definitely hit my head against the table a few times trying to figure this out to even describe it. Um, so now uh, we have this, you know, Matt accepting the job. And after that, Still in the reminiscing, we we have Matt propose to Karen um, after the press conference. She sort of says yes, but is worried about the danger of him being Daredevil. So Matt says that he will be retiring Daredevil after a United Fund parade the next day uh, where he's like the person of honor. So, of course, things do not go right at the parade. Everybody is loving DD. Even the hippies are loving DD. Uh but some dude wearing, I think, all leather and yellow shows up <laughs> on a rocker, rocket powered hog. Which, that's a motorcycle for you squares. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's dressed head to toe in like blue leather with yellow boots, gloves and some snazzy bolt type things on his jacket, helmet and his green motorcycle. So he looks like some weird and there's like tassels on his jacket. So it's like where crazy easy rider, all black mask, black helmet stunt man. Um, and it's stunt master, a retired Hollywood stunt man looking to risk his life for more than peanuts this time by getting paid to kill daredevil. So that's his, he, he basically just tells you his whole story and yep. you're in because this is the greatest character in the Marvel universe. Um, <laughs> 
I feel like it's a little bit of a, a, a jump to go from retired stuntman to assassin, but I don't know. I haven't lived stuntmaster's life. I don't know <laughs> what his deal is. <laughs> and it's so, and we don't get to find out a lot more because immediately after he tries to attack daredevil daredevil jumps on him and he takes off in his flying motorcycle and then they wreck (laughs) and the motorcycle lands on him which i assumed (laughs) meant he was dead um because daredevil's like well i survived but that motorcycle way landed on him so karen uh, is of course upset that from this parade we get into flying motorcycle wreck land and she is very mad uh that daredevil risked his life but is this yeah, she walks uh, off. Is this uh, the only place where this is happening, where you have a superhero who is admitted to the person, or I guess woman, like the woman that he loves, who he really is, and she's like, I, I can't do this until you're you're done being a hero? Because like that's a that becomes a trope, you know, down the line. I think this is the first time we've seen it. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. No one in Spider Man knows. No one in Iron Man believes. Like, Captain America is kind of its own. I mean, Captain. There was there was a a, a bit early on in Spider Man where Betty Brant didn't know that Peter Parker was Spider Man, but she developed like this fear and hatred of Spider Man, mm-hmm. and so that's when Peter realized he couldn't have anything to do with her. But that's the closest we've gotten. Yeah, I think it. she yeah. was worried about Peter's risks he took. And he took mm-hmm. photos of Spider-Man. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or I guess maybe Captain America being upset that Sharon Carter is going to risk her life. Yeah. By, oh, yeah. yeah. Right, it right. Is kind, it's kind of, yeah, it is kind of like the reverse Cap and Sharon Carter thing. And, and also, like, so here's another th- time when, you know, Matt Murdock makes a promise to Karen mm. Page. He says, like, I'm just going to do this United Fund thing. I'm going to announce Daredevil's retirement. And then we're done. Yeah. Uh, and then he defeats Stuntmaster and then they put microphones in his face. He's like, I'm going to take down the rest of organized crime in right. this city <laughs> as Daredevil. <laughs> instead, of, instead of saying he, he's quitting, which is what yeah. he promised, he just says, I'm going to keep on doing this. And Karen yep. walks off and then he hangs out for the parade. So <laughs> he's like carried around by some people. There's con- you know, ticker tape, it's a full on deal. And he really just, gets caught up in the moment. Yeah. Um, but right as we get to that, we get snapped back to the trial by the gavel uh, of the judge saying the jury is back. So now we're done with this entire issue, which is all him reminiscing about uh, everything we've talked about. And then we find out that the jury has found the person guilty. And we understand vaguely after a couple of readings that that person is indeed Stuntmaster. Um, but Matt also says, you know, this is just whatever, a drop in the bucket where we've got to catch crime wave. Um, <laughs> so that's that's where we end things. Yeah, like it, it's just so weird. It took me three times reading this issue to realize that the guy on trial was Stuntmaster. Like the, 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 the whole like flashbacking and framing sequence, I didn't realize is a framing sequence and it's so convoluted. There are so many flashbacks and flash forwards and there's not a ton of visual cues to tell you when they are happening or what order they're happening. In. Are there any visual cues to tell you? It's not tinted. Like, you know, no, there, you get it's like only the, dialogue. The blue tint of the past or, yeah. you know, like if it was a movie, you'd, there'd be a special effect or a weird crossfade or like. But yeah, there, the panels aren't doing anything different. There's no color difference. Like it really, you, they're, they're not like earlier 
later. <laughs> like yeah. right. you could solve this issue with five words strategically <laughs> yeah. placed and they just don't do that. You have to yeah. get into the dialogue to understand what that we've shifted at all. And then of course, everybody is uh, impressed by Matt Murdoch's, you know, as, as always with his career in the courtroom, he is fighting crime like nobody's business. Uh, but that's not enough for him. But it's ruining everything. Karen walks off. He wa- watches her leave. Some of the the bailiffs talk about how cool being him or Daredevil would be, <laughs> weirdly, and oh. uh, and he's just like bummed. So we've got a full Peter Parker sad trombone kind of moment there. Um, yeah, yeah. He's a real jerk, huh? Like, like he's not a jerk the way uh, Namor's a jerk. Like Namor's a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Their yeah. their jerkness is like a side effect of like the the environment in which they inhabit. Mm-hmm. He's like an independent jerk. Yeah, like it, it, he's yeah. like a character jerk. Yep, yeah, he's like a Henry Pym kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean yeah, not well, Henry. I mean I don't want to put him in the same category as Hank Pym because that guy is a jerk. But right, yeah, right. But all of our heroes, it seems we just like rattled off most of the protagonists. <laughs> <laughs> jerk, 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 jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got another jerk to talk about. <laughs> nice segue. Uh, oh, you're so good. Uh, this, uh, this one uh, is an Iron Man number 20. Uh, the story is written by Archie Goodwin. The art's by George Tusca and Joe Gaudioso, who is Mike Esposito under one of his many fake names. Um, and, and the title, best title, who serves Lucifer? Yeah. Uh, but it's not cool, Lucifer. Um, <laughs> so here's the elevator pitch for this issue. What if Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days was a song about the X-Men's shittiest villain? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, his name uh, is Charlie Gray. Um, he is an embittered Stark Industries uh, security guard uh, who uh, one day sees uh, Iron Man saving the day at his workplace and just is deeply, deeply resentful uh, of Iron Man getting all the attention um, for his heroics. Uh, See, Charlie wishes he was back in his football glory days. Um, So uh, he heads home after work, uh, behaves like a total dick to his family, smashes a photo of himself, and then storms out of the house. And the thing is, his life does not seem that bad. Like, no, not he's at all. solidly middle class. He's just an unremarkable white guy. And he's really struggling with the fact that he's not more remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. So like right away and, and I, I think Archie Goodman, Archie Goodwin is, is being very pointed about the fact that, you know, this guy is not sympathetic. Um, you know, you are not supposed to, uh, to take his side. Um, I do. I was thinking about that, the, that comic Marvels. That's mm-hmm. the one that takes the real world perspective of yeah. like what it would be like in a world with superheroes. Mm-hmm. Like you could do this there and it yep. could be very cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, except for Lucifer. Cause the minute he shows up, <laughs> not, not right. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, and let's talk about that. Uh, so uh, Charlie encounters Lucifer, uh, the man who differently abled Charles Xavier. Uh, therefore, he must be the most significant bad guy in X-Men lore, correct? <laughs> of course. He is the best 
third grade knockoff Magneto with a dumb beard you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, as you might remember from X-Men 21, you won't remember this. <laughs> uh, Lucifer was a member of an interstellar alien race who came to earth to conquer it for his people. Well, he didn't. Uh, and we thought he was teleported back to his home planet. Um, that turns out to be only partly true. He was stuck in some sort of phantom zone uh, between dimensions as a punishment. Uh, but Lucy created a dimensional transmitter uh, that gives him a limited ability to interact with Earth's dimension, but he needs an agent to act through. Guess who is going to be? Charlie. Charlie. That's right. <laughs> Lucy zaps Charlie uh, and then promises him power at a terrible cost. He has to look and dress like Lucifer. <laughs> Oof, that's a high, high price to pay. Yeah. Uh, it's not but worth the power. <laughs> but because Charlie's a dirtbag, uh, he's like, hell yeah, I'll help you conquer the earth so I don't feel so, like such a loser because I peaked in high school. <laughs> uh, and so he starts wrecking the town and really getting off on it. Like, I mean, this guy, he's like the definition of someone who should never be given a little bit of power. Yeah. Um, and he's a security guard, too. So that like that's just too perfect. Yeah. Like he failed the police academy. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, he smashes some buildings. He takes out some cops. Uh, then Lucifer pulls back on the reins a little bit, tells Charlie not to waste his power cause it's finite. Uh, so Charlie decides to go to Stark Industries and beat up his boss, Tony Stark. Um, I did, don't, didn't quite understand why he, how that fit into Lucifer's plan. I understand how it would fit into Charlie's plan, but. Um, I, I was wondering if it was like uh, the nail in the coffin on his morality or something like that. Like mm-hmm. if you give in to the dark side of murdering your boss, then I'll be able to take your soul or whatever Lucifer is going after. Sure. Let's oh, say that's, no, I, that's, I, that's not in the text. I think <laughs> Lu- the plan just happens to overlap. Lucifer wants Tony Stark to be brought to him to bend his mind to that's his will. Right. So oh, it's just oh, the okay. importance of the genius of Tony Stark that is mm is put him in the crosshairs as you gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's that totally tracks. That sounds familiar now. So anyway, um, so Charlie uh, is heading for Stark industries. Uh, Wilma, Charlie's wife is driving around looking for him because she's a much better partner than he deserves. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. She's fantastic. Uh, she recognizes Charlie's voice, uh, and tries to stop him, but he shoves her aside because again, he's a totally great dude. Uh, Charlie continues heading to Stark Industries. Wilma gets there first and plows through the front gate. She tells the security guards that she has to see Tony Stark and warn him about Lucifer. And they respond by saying, oh, no, if you're another one of these love happy dames pulling a crazy stunt to impress our playboy boss. And that line just makes me think that there are some terribly sinister stories in Tony's background about some... Some dames who, yeah, the, I don't think these dames were love happy or trying to impress him <laughs> when they drove through the gates of his company. <laughs> um, I mean, some people really like a mustache, you know, <laughs> got the draw. Even just a tiny bit of a mustache. Uh, yeah, just the faintest wisp of a mustache. Uh, anyway, uh, Stark irons up just in time to fight Charlie Lucifer when he arrives after some back and forth. Uh, Charlie has Iron Man on the ropes. Um, Wilma arrives to try and talk Charlie down and she gets through to him this time. Um, and Lucifer expended too much energy during the Iron Man fight to reassert his control over Charlie and has to release his hold over him. And so Charlie depowered back in his you know regular form. He finally sort of realizes that his life is pretty good. 
Um, and that is his heroic question mark turn. <laughs> um, <laughs> so oh, I don't man. think I don't think Charlie actually listened or learned anything uh, from his entire experience. Um, maybe he's going to uh, be slightly nicer. So you know that maybe that's it. But he he's a jerk. Yeah. Again, I, the theme of the I don't know the theme of all of these jerk. Yep. <laughs> I do think that it was a good move having uh, his reconciliation with the wife be the last couple panels. Yeah. Because if that, if that wasn't there, like you'd be left thinking like, Ooh, that's a, that's a rough homecoming, you know? Like, yes. yeah. Now like he's going to, he just peaked again and now he's on to the downside of that and he's going right. to be such a jerk to his family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You just picture that dinner being real quiet. Like <laughs> that's just a real uncomfortable pot roast. You just, <laughs> just call the cops lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, although there's a ton of superhero nonsense in this story, uh, there's a real strong human element to it, too. And I think that's one of the things that that Archie Goodwin always did really well uh, Mm -hmm. in his stories. You know, again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think Archie Goodwin figured out pretty quickly that Iron Man is the least interesting part of the Iron Man comic book. um, And he keeps the focus off of him, except when he needs to introduce him, you know, for the big fight. But. Um, like even normally we we say that but it's because it's like a tony stark issue like oh they're they're doing such a good job focusing on tony stark instead of iron man that's what makes mm-hmm. this issue good this one tony stark's not in it until i think like 15 pages yeah, in. neither yeah. of them are yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you, they see, were just... you see iron man for like a page or two at the beginning and then he goes away for a dozen pages i mean we get a lot of lucifer don't get me wrong yeah i mean so, you know that's where the money is <laughs> right, right. all the yeah. lucifer you can take <laughs> which is not 12 pages yeah that's, nope. that's like, close. just yeah. the introduction i'm like oh god the name always sounds cool and then i'm so bummed out and what about the decision to make it be lucifer instead of generic uh made up bad guy like i don't it, know they really burn yeah. that name on somebody you know inappropriate that's all i can say there yeah, yeah, I mean Tony Stark fighting a magical or or mystical bad thing could could be cool, mm-hmm. you know, because like those powers don't line up on a one to one way. So like, yeah, right, yeah, that could be fun, but that that wasn't kind of. Where I this mean, went. Mephisto, Mephisto, come on, it, yeah. yeah, you know. Well, I I feel like Goodwin was trying to tell a a devil getting your soul story, right? Um, because he he again like he's a. He's an EC comics fan from way back. He, you know, wrote for the Warren horror magazines and, you know, I, I think he can't do an actual demonic possession story because of the code, but look, the guy's name is Lucifer. Like, you know, there's ways you can sort of get it in there. You do have to use him and have him in the story, which is the downside, but yeah. Yeah. But if you just, if you just look at it out of the corner of your eye, it, kind of works as as a a devil taking your soul story yeah so, right yep. cool uh i got no transition here jamie silver speaking of a 10. devil now <laughs> <laughs> oh wait no no you had it uh speaking of devils in disguise ah, mm-hmm. nice uh this is silver surfer number 10 a world he never made exclamation point uh by stan lee and john busema with dan atkins um so as we we're joking around, the this issue's cover uh, marks the return of a Silver Surfer fan favorite, or at least my favorite, his normal guy disguise. <laughs> Still a silver face, but <laughs> yeah, otherwise... Trench, trench coat over naked guy. <laughs> <laughs> he so puts I on am... clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this not needs an action clothes. figure. <laughs> nope, not enough clothes. 
so we open on a very 60s style in uh, woman and like kind of a resting mean face man in what seems like a very cramped spaceship um, heading towards Earth. Uh, this woman is Shalabal, the Silver Surfer's uh, one true love, uh, and vice versa. Uh, Captain Meanface is a new character named Yarrow Gort. I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> that's how you say that. Sure. Yarrow Gort? Or Yarrow. just yogurt is what most people call it. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> At a glance, scans of yogurt. <laughs> Stan had about 25 minutes to dialogue this issue. Like, <laughs> yeah, and he yogurt, was eating lunch. Yogurt, <laughs> y- Yarrow Gort. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is one of those classic uh, woman hates man, man wants to marry woman for reasons, probably. Woman uses man for ship to get across the galaxy to see her ex-lover still alive. And if the woman's ex-lover isn't alive, she's legally obligated to marry the guy. Stories. It's one of those. <laughs> yep. That old chestnut. Um, so these two are heading to Earth. Court uh, wants to marry her, but she won't marry him until um, they prove that the surfer is dead or has moved on. Uh, I had a question about this. How do they know to go to Earth? Is that common knowledge that the Silver Surfer is on Earth? Well, no, it's pretty sir, pedantic, but I was no, curious. Surfer and Shalabal have seen each other through Mephisto's Me- temptation. Through Mephisto, yeah. so if she knows that he's on Earth, I don't know that it necessarily came up mm. during their conversation, but um, but they have okay. some pretty advanced technology on Zen Law. They could probably work it out. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that. just say yeah. Zen law technology, no prize. Bam. Nice. Wow, you're, no prize. <laughs> yeah, you're crushing it. This <laughs> uh, yeah. So these two are on the world's worst road trip. I mean, that is just an uncomfortable situation and the ship looks awesome, but very small. They're like very hunched over. So um, Yarrow or Mr. Gort, if you're nasty, uh, he isn't, <laughs> he's not like other boys. Uh, he's instead of like most of Zen law who have been kind of like muted and neutered by their uh, advancement he's more like the silver surfer uh prior to galactus you know kind of chomping by uh he's brilliant uh probably bald has a like a zest for adventure um but he's like the jerk version of of the surfer or no or i guess more like Norrin rad mm-hmm. um it doesn't really matter what he thinks. <laughs> it, it it just doesn't we're team <laughs> surfer regardless yeah. and it's like very clear that this guy is a jerk um it is maybe worth calling out that uh, Shalabal is like trembling with fear at the thought of finding out that the surfer could be dead or even as Gort indicates, like with another woman. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, at the top of uh, one of Earth's many lavender colored bridges, uh, <laughs> a very brave cop is failing to save a surprisingly overtly suicidal man. Um, but the silver surfer swoops in to save him, even though he knows that the humans hate him and this will cause a whole big problem. So the surfer decides he needs to figure out like what all of humanity's deal is real quick and <laughs> figures the best way to do that is to like return to the location we were in about five ish or like back in issue five. Yeah. Um, uh, and pick up his awesome disguise. So uh, for back anyone in, who. Yeah. In Al yeah. Harper's cabin, Al Harper, yeah. who we decided we all decided should be an important part of the Marvel <laughs> universe, yep. but just died to, immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so now from here on in, the silver surfer is in his disguise, which just to recap is he's got, uh, these like green or it's all either green or Brown, depending on the page, but, um, he's got these green gloves, a uh, long green trench coat, a green fedora, 
and sunglasses on his totally normal silver face. <laughs> yeah, he's got a green scarf on too, just to as a nice. Oh, yeah, accent. right. Yeah, yeah really tie, really ties the room together. <laughs> um, so as he's getting suited up, he finds some money in his pockets, which he says is like the cause of humans committing crimes and stuff. We we get a lot of that scattered throughout the issue. Um. So he zooms up into the atmosphere. <laughs> and, that, and that stands justification for never paying Jack Kirby what he was <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's like, it would just turn you to a life of crime, Jack. <laughs> turn out like a regular carny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the surfer zooms into the atmosphere and uh, is like lamenting like, oh, if only people could see the earth from up here, we wouldn't have wars and chaos and strife and such. Um, it, it sounds like pretty Carl Sagan first trip to the moon kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is before or after that, but it, it really is in line with the, with those. yeah, this is just after our moon landing anyway. So I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That must've been like kind of ripped from the headlines. Yep. Uh, so anyway, surface like looking at, at earth and he picks a spot that's like literally exploding, uh, head straight there. And then a baller move sends, <laughs> sends the board away. Um, so he lands and is immediately attacked by South American soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, who in turn get doused with scalding hot water from like a Braveheart-esque woman who lives up above uh, in an apartment. Uh, Her name is Donna Maria Perez. She literally says, they've taken our freedom, but they can never crush our spirit. (laughs) That's where the line comes from. (laughs) (laughs) They just flipped it around for Braveheart. There you go. You heard it here. Um, So her and her mom invite the surfer up, uh, not knowing it's him, but then realize it's him but then are still nice to him anyway. And the surfer is just like super moved by that. So she tells him the sad, oppressive story of her village, uh, lets him nap in the attic, which presumably is just super hot out there. Um, but surfer doesn't mind. Um, he's having a real think about why men do war things <laughs> and things. Uh, what is the one human factor that makes them insane? It's so, the brain. I can tell you yeah, it yeah, is the yeah. brain. It's wired it's really, just really brain, poorly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So some mobsters suddenly kidnap uh, Donna Maria, whose mom begs the surfer to help. Uh, The surfer wishes that nations could act more like mothers, which is like not the worst platform you could run for president on. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Uh, The surfer immediately finds and stops the occupying forces, uh, ditches the disguise, saves the woman, blasts the bad guys, castle real quick. And then kind of like this all just plays out in like really fast. It's like a philosophical bond movie, like condensed down. Yeah. (laughs) It's or like the pages are running out now. So (laughs) yeah, 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 let's move this along. Time to condense time. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So then Donna Maria gives the surfer a very passionate gratitude smooch at the exact moment that we return to what apparently was a framing story. Uh, So Shalabal witnesses their kiss. Um, she is devastated uh, and now, according to the rules of space road trips, must tragically honor her agreement to come to become Mrs. Gort <laughs> as she has lost the surfer now and forever. Exactly the way Yarrow Gort planned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. guy is yeah. so confident. He's like, I'm going to turn the camera on. I'm going to turn my back to the to the screen because I know <laughs> your man's yeah. up to no good. And yeah, he's, he's a man. Like- yeah, yeah he's as like, soon as I saw him put that trench coat on, I knew exactly where this was going to lead. <laughs> I was wondering if he had had this recorded and in the can the whole time. Ah, uh, you know, like we have no evidence of how the timelines kind of match up. Yeah. So maybe he just recorded this and like flew to some planet. Was like, uh, now is the time to look. This is Earth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to go just clean the holodeck. This thing, and you know, who knows? Yep. Yep. 
Well, there you go. There's a no prize for you, Jamie. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, this comic was like deeply pessimistic uh, in like a thousand ways. There's like, there's what? There's suicide. There's a failure of authority. There's hatred, oppression, violence, failed love, Gort. Gort, <laughs> like, man. It's yeah. just, it's a lot of dark. Gort is the yeah. biggest bummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that said, it's like the best Silver Surfer issue we've had in, I would say, three, at least three, maybe five issues now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yep. It feels like it had a point. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like it, like it had a, it had a beginning and then it went somewhere and it had an ending that was different from the beginning. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, like it a is story just, almost. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's just the exact same story that Stan is trying to tell over and over, but at least it had a little bit of like romance drama in it also, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Not, not super well done romance drama, but you know, <laughs> It was at least another beat, you know, right. It's just like he wasn't just almost literally Xeroxing script pages. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. You, you have two female characters who like are sort of strong and maybe acting with agency, like to a degree. I mean, it's pretty, it's like right on the border there, but like relative to anything else Stan has written. Yes. Thank point. you. That That's the caveat. Yeah, and especially like, yeah, his yeah. whole mom for president speech, uh, that that's pretty that's a pretty big thing. Like Mm -hmm. if you pulled that out of context and shared it as like, people would think it was from this huge, important comic. Right. Not this comic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, the, like the sort of philosophical underpinnings of this to me feel like what the silver surfer should be like, And like that connects him to sort of the Starlin verse and Adam Warlock yeah. being like a suicidal, whatever is going on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I, this, this feels like what this book should be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, fellas, uh, that was the books that we set out to cover for this episode. Um, so let's bring it on home. If we had a buck to spend on comics in September 69, if we had already bought the five issues that we talked about with Elliot Kalin, which were X-Men 62, Captain America 120, Captain Marvel 19, Amazing Spider-Man 79, and Submariner number 20, that would leave us with just 25 cents left. That is only enough for one comic with a dime left over. Oof. What's it going to be, Rob? Hulk. This is All my right. favorite Hulk issue so far ever. Um, and the best for me, I just loved it. Um, th- that's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Jamie, do you have a, you got a pick? Oof, man. I, if I was a better person, I would say silver surfer, but I'm obviously not. Uh, <laughs> hey, so, I'm uh, right here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go Hulk too. I mean, it had as increasingly it had like the incredible Hulk, is working as a comic because it keeps adding other superheroes to it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like the, the, we've had Namor, we've had fantastic four. Like the, there's like lots of people and it was a well-executed issue. It had other stuff. It, it was great. And he's it's becoming super- Hulk. He yeah. also didn't really fight army too much, you know? Uh, no, that, he didn't did fight he, army at all. Did he? No, no, no. Hulk fight train. Hulk fight. Definitely yeah. fight train. Yeah. Hulk, Hulk fight security guards. <laughs> Hulk fight thing, which is also the thing that my brother and I talked about incessantly as kids is who was stronger yep. or Hulk or thing. So, yeah. And we'd throw in like, but what about, you know, I don't know, any other DC strongman? 
Maybe Superman. <laughs> Superman. Superman. <laughs> I like I like DC Strongman as a character. I <laughs> has legs. Uh, so two Hulks. What do you got, Brian? Iron Man. What? Iron Man. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna go Iron Man. Um, and because you love Lucifer, I, we all I, know. I love yeah. Lucifer. <laughs> uh, my favorite character. Best thing Marvel's ever created. No, dis- <laughs> despite Lucifer, I'm still gonna go Iron Man. Um, I just think, like in terms of you know, a story that, you know, has a beginning, middle and end and a journey and an arc that goes through it. Um, I think it was such a smart decision to have the whole thing basically be told from this Charlie Gray's perspective. Mm. Um, and I just think it, like it added this kind of, so the Marvel universe talks about itself a lot at this period where it's like, you know, we're not like the other guys. Marvel comics are the world outside your window. And I feel like they don't really usually Mm. live up to that promise, but this really was, I mean, this, this was, I think Jamie, you kind of hit the nail on the head where you were talking about like comparing it to Marvel's where I feel like this is sort of the proto Marvel's. This is, you know, like the first time you're really seeing like an everyman perspective and, and what does living in the Marvel universe do to just an average Joe Schmo. Um, and so I just yeah. don't get me wrong. I absolutely love that Hulk issue too. Uh, and I really like where Hulk is going. Um, and I have, I have no notes for, uh, for uh, Roy or, or mm. her on that one. But, um, but I just, I really thought there was something really cool about, uh, about this month's Iron Man and, and it wasn't Lucifer. Oh, actually, wait, could, so could, this you, is... could you say that all again? I didn't hear anything after you acknowledged how smart I was. I, <laughs> I kind of like blacked out there for a minute. Uh, I feel like it's just because you're of your glory days as a football, you know, star yeah. football <laughs> player in high school. Um, I was a relate. real champion of the gridiron. You can relate <laughs> to Charlie Gray. Uh, yeah. I can relate to Lucifer because of his dumb facial hair. Um, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Terrific. Uh, well, on that note, uh, that's all for this week, folks. Uh, you can, and we hope you will support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Marvel by the month. Uh, you could also leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to us and email a screenshot of it to Marvel by the month at gmail.com with your mailing address for some free stuff. I just, I just, (laughs) I sent a batch of envelopes out. I know this is sometimes a little bit of a running joke about how long it takes me to get around to doing this, but um hopefully uh, everyone who has left a review for us and send us the screenshot uh in the last couple months uh has just gotten something in the mail um, and it's and tangible we, it's not like a pencil if you join the mighty marvel marching society nothing, back in the day yeah. nothing that good yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i mean so, that would that would be valuable now but at the time <laughs> you'd be like thanks for the pencil uh yeah but the, it, i think it's more substantial than a than a pencil that's yeah, just me. yeah i think so um, but yeah, uh, we love, and honestly, we just love getting the reviews. I think we should start just reading reviews on yeah. the show because like folks actually take some time to really write some very thoughtful things and we really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, it totally makes our day, uh, when we see them come through, um, and it helps people discover the podcast. Um, uh, also, yeah, recommend the show to, uh, friends who might be interested in our extremely niche product here. Um, and let us know which episodes you think are really good for, uh, for entry level or are good for entry points, um, for new listeners. Uh, cause ask them to go back and listen to, Oh, some of those early episodes. Is, uh, <laughs> that's a heavy lift. 
I, you uh, know, I could argue that it's not niche. It's, uh, the, the Marvel cinematic universe and history in general have made this more accessible. I, but I know that I'm lying to myself because uh, uh, as I as I finished that sentence, I was like, no, it's still we're talking about some nerdy really, old comics. We you know? heard the air come out of yeah. your like, little nozzle on the side. Anyway, leave this man a review. Would you please just leave a review? Come on. This is sad, sad right. man. Hang in there, Rob. The <laughs> oh my god! I, hope I know your life is just there, comics, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, other ways you can uh, get in touch with us. Instagram is our main social channel. You can find us there at Marvel by the Month. Marvelbythemonth.com has links to our other social channels as well as our shop. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Brian Stratton. Mine is Rob Milne. I'm Jamie Winger, and we'll see you next week for next month. Mm-hmm.